It's an interesting one, and I think it connects to our lives. What's our world? So uh, I have to share it. Let's both read it. You know, I'll, I'll read it first. Mm -hmm. The main case. Dazon asked Ji Xuan, where do you come from? Ji Xuan said, from the south. Dazon said, how is Buddhism in the south these days? Ji Xuan said, there's extensive discussion. Dazon said, how can that compare to me? Here, planting the fields and making rice to eat. Jishan said, what can you do about the world? Dijan said, what do you call the world? The main case. Dijan asked Xiuxiang, where do you come from? Xu Shang said, from the south. Di Zhang said, how is Buddhism in the south these days? Xu Shang said, there's extensive discussion. Di Zhang said, how can that compare to me here planting the fields and making rice to eat? Xuxiang said, what can you do about the world? Dizang said, what do you call the world? Do you want to talk about it a, a little? And then I have a um, commentary that Peg wrote on this. Okay, that could be right. And Peg kept, kept kept saying, you know, whenever we would do koan stuff, she you know, and she'd be there, you know, it's all about the relationship of the two guys. So, do, do you see them as equal? Or is one like teacher and student? I don't get it from the text. Do you think you one's, one's more enlightened than the other? Yes. Which, who's more enlightened? <laughs> so I was in a Dharma talk the other day somewhere else, and part of it was a con. And then the monk made a parenthesis to talk a small biography of the people that is usually the same. You know, we have read a lot and I, I don't pay more attention. I don't pay many attention to that, but it was pretty relevant 
in terms to know the relationship and why this came from this or that place or etc. So I'm just saying one is more enlightened <laughs> just because, but I think maybe I should pay much more attention to who the characters are. Well, in classical koan study, all you would be given would be the koan. So mm -hmm. you wouldn't you wouldn't be given that. Okay. But many of these are, well, now I'm assuming that many of these are like the sixth patriarch, this, or this lineage, and, and in East, 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 they do not know, they know that, I'm sorry. They know that. We do not know because it's not our culture. They're they're playing together, aren't they? These ones? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's always that, that shift from the relative to the absolute or there there's two koans that it makes me it reminds me of. One is um there's a koan about the young monk says to the master, I want to learn about Zen. And the master says something like, have you eaten your rice? And then uh, the master says, yeah, the guy says, yes, the young monk. So he says, well, then clean your bowl. Kind of getting down to, um, to the basics of life. So at, at one point, like, what do you call the world? Do you, this, uh, oh, what can you do about the world? What do you call the world? You know, there's that, and then there's extensive dis discussion. So they're kind of making fun of extensive, extensive discussion, aren't they? Mm-hmm. And there, there's that, that thing of, of, um, You know, uh, Zen is sometimes called farmer's Buddhism because it's simple. Mm -hmm. And so they're, in a sense, poking fun. I think we've seen that in, in so many of them. They're poking fun at the people who who kind of drown in discussion, mm -hmm. like we are. <laughs> and then another koan that it made me think of maybe maybe that's wrong um who were you before you were born but i love this thing about what can you do about the world and what do you call the world because um the world seems to control our feelings our emotions our time our focus. So Dazan, there, there's also a Bodhisattva named Dazan. And I, 
that was a bodhisattva of compassion. But this is not the Dezan in the, he's an actual man, I, I take it. So I kept trying to find out about them. I couldn't find anything. Geoshan. Do you want to read? Should we read Peg's? Sure. Is that good for you? Yes, thank you. The topic of the talk today is where do we come from? So many koans begin with this seemingly ordinary question. So that relates it back to that one of who were you before, <coughs> before you were born? Mm -hmm. And I think also I've been interested in the question, like someone looks at your art and they say, did you make that, you know, and to what, what degree can you um, claim ownership? Because you're part of a succession of everything that came before you. Someone even did research about primitive artists and found that they actually got their style from, you know, they were able to trace where they, they it didn't come out of nothing. You know, mm -hmm. They were very influenced. Yes. Here's one of my favorites from the Book of Serenity, a collection of koans used in our Zen tradition. I'll read the introduction first and then the koan. Okay. You read it. Case 12, design planting the fields, the introduction. Scholars plow with the pen, orators plow with the tongue. We patch broad, bro, how do you say that? Patch broad. Patch robed mendicants. And a mendicant is a uh, like a poor person. Let's see what it says for definition. It is the same Spanish, that one. The other one is the one I cannot. Patch robe. Uh -huh. And so so the idea of the of the robe is that it was supposed to be made out of little pieces from other that were discarded fabric. Mm -hmm. So it's patched together. Okay. Patch okay. okay, thank you. Scholars plow with the pen, orators plow with the tongue. We patch robed mendicants lazily watch a white ox on open ground not playing attention to the rootless auspicious grass how to pass the days should i go on no but i'm i you know there's the and i don't know if 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 it connects but we you and i um looked at the um ox herding pictures Mm -hmm. And I don't know if there's a connection there, but certainly the ox is um, 
not caught up in things. Hmm. I I did um a relation to the Oxforder. You saw you saw that. Is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah. Yes. How, how to pass the days, but okay. The case. <coughs> Dejan asks Ji Swan. Jushan. Jiusan. How about that? Jiusan. Where do you come from? Jiushan said from the south. And there's a famous koan about uh, where did Bodhidharma come from? Diozan said, how is Buddhism in the south these days? Jiushan said, there's extensive discussion. Dijan said, how can that compare to me here planting the fields and making rice to eat? Jiushan said, what can you do about the world? Dijan said, what do you call the world? Okay. Good question. Don't you think? Almost as good as how to pass the days. We thought we knew what the world was. We engaged in extensive discussion about it. In fact, we were, what were we missing this? I'm sorry. What were we missing that is obvious now that he crowned has disappeared from beneath our feet? I think feet. it's the, the ground. Now that the ground has disappeared. Oh, yes. What were we missing that? What we were missing that is obvious now that he, the, he I know, I cannot, <laughs> can you say that sentence for me? What were we missing that is obvious now that the ground has disappeared from beneath our feet? Mm, oh, it. no, no, no. I'll read it a different way. What were we missing now that, now, what were, be missing that is obvious now that the ground has disappeared from beneath our feet. Yeah, there's a team missing in there. Mm -hmm. Yes. What were we plowing with? The tongue, the pen, the computer, keyboard, the smartphone screen. Now we are like the mendicant monks watching a white ox grazing and not paying any attention to the grass. How are we passing our days? Our lived everyday experience is our actual response to this con. What do we call the world? Okay, your turn. Yeah. We have the ability with our technology to bring together people coming from great distances. We are fortunate that our spiritual tradition is not dependent on gatherings in churches, in building, buildings and grounds, finance committees, youth, youth outreach ministers, missionary ventures, and church socials.
She wrote this in 2019, I think. 1920, I read. Oh, 1920, you're right. No, 2020. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> so really the koan's in a way about what's important. It's, it's a practice grounded in everyday activity and in the simple act of stopping, coming into stillness and silence. Its qualities of present moment awareness can be practiced anywhere, alone or with others. This unexpected COVID precipitated upset is in our daily tasks and obligations allow us to step back and notice what we are paying attention to, what we are giving our energy and care to. Further, we can explore and deepen the quality of attending anywhere and in any activity. We find in spiritual friendships the support for that process of waking up in our own lives and discovery of what really matters, what our heart's aspiration truly is. But those friendships... Well, wait, wait. So you were, I don't know where you are now, but you were really, your life was, is very, was very involved in the caring of your mother and in your um, school. And... Uh, and in your aspirations to be doing something different. Am I right? That's such a great question. Um, how can that compare with me here planting the fields and making rice to eat? And is that like the ultimate answer? I don't know. Okay, where are we? There, but those... But those friendships are not themselves dependent on our being in the same place. They are dependent on our intentions expressed in thoughts, words, and actions. We are discovering in these times that our ways of relating are shifting, yet desperation from connection and mutual support is still strong. We are highly adaptable creatures, and we will adapt to these ever-changing circumstances as well. Our practice provides a powerful foundation from which we can meet whatever is arising. I think we are all still in a bit of shock about how swiftly the circumstances have changed and how <clears throat> global these changes has been. But 
We are continuing to learn how to adapt and manage in the new reality we inhabit. Suddenly, life and death are of supreme importance and not only our own. Every day we are confronted with their absolute reality in stark numbers, in the ways that people we know begin to be stricken, stricken. In this, our practice is invaluable, keeping us awake and aware, asking us over and over again to discover how to live from an open heart, a boundless mind, in an interdependent web of relationships. What does it mean to express mindful, energized care in each new moment? What struck me this week is how it is as though we have been transported by spacecraft to another planet, a planet eerily similar to our own. This is a second. This helps me not cough. There are beings like ourselves, some kindly and some combative, and many of them seem to speak our language. There is a different social structure in which people keep apart from each other rather than gathering together. It is alien and weird to see so many stores and restaurants and shops just like at home, yet utterly empty and dark. Or alternatively, with goods rushed outdoors and hurriedly deposited in waiting vehicles, the air is cleaner than on our than on our former planet. Yet so many people are wearing masks. It is puzzling and strange. Only the children seem unaffected, drawing with chalk on the sidewalks, giggling and riding their tiny bikes. This is kind of unbelievable, isn't it? To read, you know, three years later. Yes. The, the way things were. Yes. And how the same coin hits different and at the same time the same than thousands of years after. How does the koan seem different now than thousands of years ago? Yeah, because her reading is, you know, totally different in a different situation, but at the same time, it is kind of the same question and relationships, probably. There's this line from Wordsworth that I love, getting and spending, we lay waste our powers, little we know of nature that is ours. It's kind of a romantic vision. Can you say it again, please? Getting and spending, we lay waste our powers. Little we know of nature that is ours. You know, we're blind to um, the stuff that we're so caught up in the world that we're blind to the stuff that's really important. 
I just heard a few days back that the world is just a manifestation of the functions of our mind. You know, there's this thing that consciousness creates the mind as opposed to the other way around. So I don't know if that's pretty hard to grasp. Mm -hmm. People certainly want to fix the world, don't they? <laughs> Not all of them, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I just asked the AI Dai Sang in Koan practice. Do you want to share it? Yeah, you want to read? Sure. Let me um make you real. See, this is the one, this is not the Dazon. I kept coming up with this one, but this is not the okay. Dazon in the, in the con. Um, How do you know? Because these Bodhisattvas are um, kind of imaginary. They're not actually people. These are, or, in the koans, these are ordinary. I mean, these there are human beings, and these bodhisattvas are more like like. Yeah, I got it. Uh, mm -hmm. um, I saw this. I heard this fascinating lecture at, at UT on uh, bodhisattvas, and in ordinary Buddhism, they're they're like angels. And they can, mm -hmm. you know, they can shift and become, go. they can become a fly or a woman or a man or a dog, whatever is needed for the, the occasion. And so, um, so that's all I could find on days on. I got to you. Okay, so I'll, I'll go back. I, um, no, let's just forget that. Okay, so, um, <coughs> we read this paragraph, didn't we? What struck me this week? Can you share again, please? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I 
when we are apart, when we cannot reach out and touch each other, hug each other, sit knee to knee in quiet contemplation, it is easy to feel lonely, separate, abandoned, or shunned in this world. We must find the waste to connect at a deep level on this planet. Our Zazen practice is basic and simple process for grounding ourselves and opening a vast space within. Maybe you have felt a deep emptiness or even a sense of despair in this situation. I think this is not only normal, but essential. We are facing a hard con. What is emptied out is all of our old assumptions about ourselves, about other people, about the world itself, our old habits, beliefs, routines, expectations, judgments, and self-centered orientations just vanished. Even the tiny certainties in our everyday lives that we can buy just at the grocery store that we can meet a friend for lunch at a restaurant, that their office will be a humbing, that our office will be humbing with activity are unpended. Suddenly we are filled with questions and great doubt. You know that word upended? It means kind of turned turned upside down. Mm. Um And right now, in 2020, uh, those things would be offended. Uh, uh, we couldn't do them anymore. Um, but you know, you've been in situations where, with a friend, where you just want to shake them into getting back to earth. Mm -hmm. That's what I feel is going on in the koan. Um, This happens all the time, of course. People face life upending events all the time, yet it has never happened all at once on this scale globally. We are powerless in new ways and so confused by it. And we are transfixed by the spin in the news cycle, the experts, the politicians, the endless litany of everything is terrible, heartwarming, creative, broken, hopeful, devastating, we really don't know. On this new planet, there is no past, no future, and no present. There is only this one ongoing activity which every living being is sharing. What is a bodhisattva doing in this moment? We look around and we can see evidence of bodhisattva activity everywhere. So we can be heart, 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 in the midst of the resounding silence, the distance, the tidal wave of change we are immersed in. Our practice is not about singing hymns, listening to sermons, trying to be good boys and girls, 
so that we can end up in heaven and not some terrible place. It is about listening deeply to our heart's true, clear aspiration, born of wisdom and compassion. It is about the creative expression of that aspiration right now, in this moment, in this new reality. We are, as we have always been, on our own. Not on my own, our own. The fabric of Sangha is not so frail that it can be destroyed by our physical separation. The Buddhist disciples wandered far on their own, teaching the Dharma wherever they found themselves and practicing in solitude. I'm glad she mentioned that. And, um, you know, this is not new, the idea that um, people are spread out all over. Mm. It was only during the rainy season that they would all come back to the temple, but the rest of the time they were told go out there and teach. Mm -hmm. But as part of their practice to spread the teachings, right? I want to think about that a second. Well, in, in Zen, in Mahayana Zen, you know, it, the, the practice is to um, to relieve suffering in others. So, and they did that by going out. So, uh, yes. Okay, mm -hmm. who's reading? Me. Our practice is not about singing. Um, I read, we read that, okay. This Dharma, the teachings that have survived 2,500 2, years of every kind of catastrophic change is resilient. 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 Resilient, sorry. Resilient. Resilient. You know what that means? Yes. Yeah, okay. And now we have the opportunity to practice, to participate in the evolutionary changes that are underway in our own time, to infuse them with the values of benevolence, compassion, empathetic joy, and equanimity. But to do so, we need to train and we need to practice. There's no time for dithering around here. I have heard from some folks that feel disengaged, distracted, unsettled in their practice. I think that is understandable given the jolt we've experienced, the alien planet we now find ourselves on. It is our practice that will provide the resources and nourishment we need in these times that will sustain us and enable us to be awake to the possibilities for awakening ourselves and others in every situation. When we are in free fall, we need the stability that our practice offers, and we need the spiritual friendships that nourish and sustain us. And we need to remember that we practice not for our own well-being, although that is certainly a benefit, but as a support for others. We practice as an expression 
of our care. We are confronted daily with the Dharma. The truth of suffering is con constantly before us, even when we ourselves are comfort comfortable. We are aware that our situation can change in an instant, and our well-being is precarious. The immediacy of suffering is all around us. That is the Buddha taught. taught. This is. This is the Buddha taught, a truth realized by the noble ones, the ones who have awakened. And we can see too the truth of the origin of suffering, the yearning in ourselves and others for things to be different, our quarrel with life as it is. Arising within us is the resistance, the rebellion against all that we dislike, all that we fear, all that we find oppressive and unwanted. The noble ones realize this too. They regard our struggles with compassion. Can the suffering be ended? Will a vaccine end it? A treatment plan? A government stimulus check? It should be obvious that there are no endings until there is an end to our battles against reality. When we give up, since reality always wins, when we surrender our demands that the world and its beings serve serve our wishes, satisfy our yearning or suffering, as well as the suffering we are creating for others ceases. This is too, this too is realized by the noble ones, the ones who are awake. What does a life look like that look like? How do we find the path to it? You can go exploring it if you like. You can blunder around in confusion or become apathetic, or you can find a map. The Eightfold Path is a map. If we are finally fed up with suffering, if we have given up on all the ineffectual ways we have tried to distract ourselves, protect ourselves, and numb ourselves to our own suffering as well as the overwhelming suffering of others, we might be tempted to take a look at the map. Maybe we will wake up then, like the noble ones. So connecting this to the koan, I take it as um, the people of who are kind of caught up in the world and not paying attention to their own lives or relationships. You, also, do you, go on. Also to the sentence, there's extensive discussion of Buddhism because she's talking in that paragraph, well, in that uh, part of uh, her lecture, 
she's talking about the teachings of the Buddhism, right? And she said, you can finally look at the map, which for me are the eight noble truths or the sutras or the scriptures. Well, I, I took the, the there's extensive discussion is not um, about the Dharma, but but uh, people talking and talking and talking and being lost. I don't th that you, you could compare the Buddhism in the South and in the North and go on and on and on, and you wouldn't really be um, practicing. Yeah, but I was, I I agree. I was referring to what we are reading, and what do you think is is she referring to the teachings of the Buddhism in the paragraphs that we were reading? Yes. But in the uh, koan. Is not that, yeah. It's, it's the opposite, okay. Mm -hmm. We begin with the necessary first step, right view. Uh, well, I think it's the other paragraph. What does life look like? It's the, no, the I think we read this. The Eightfold Path is a map. If we are oh, finally yeah. fed. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay. You want to read this? We begin with the necessary first step, right view. Well, that means my view, doesn't it? Everybody else's view is either right, like mine, or very wrong view. Our first stumble on the path. Right view in our practice is about clarity of view. And in that sense, complete view. We sometimes speak about our practice as a perspectival or perspectival. Well, yeah, you know, having a perspective mm -hmm. and then this is not having a perspective. Mm -hmm. This means that we can see a situation from every other viewpoint. We understand why people hold those views and we do not dismiss them. It does not mean that every other viewpoint, viewpoint is equally valid, which is extreme relativism. The Buddha clearly taught that there are wrong views, views that are unwholesome or destructive, views that are nihilistic or views that are essentialist, or views that are essentialist are, in the Buddha's teaching, wrong views. However, the Buddha did not make this a moral issue. It is a practical one. Wrong views will not get you where you want to go. If your aspiration is for awakening and for serving, even to follow the map, you need right view from the very start. It is not a matter of your opinion. We have all been pretty sure of where we are going only to find, find that the map disagrees. If we insist in our opinion or if we abandon 
our perspective either way, we end up lost. Use the map. The Buddha also warned against fixed views. Right view is not a fixed view from which you can battle others for the higher ground. We must realize that any view is provisional, impermanent, adaptative to situations, subject to new learning and experience. When we learn and evolve, when we move to a different ground, our view changes, our horizons shift, and we understand different experiences. So our view is always about clarifying and aligning with life itself. When we bring our Brahma Vihara practice to this issue of right view, we can see that it is not merely a matter of seeing clearly or comprehensively. Suppose we are infused with or, and radiating kindness or benevolence, compassion, empathetic joy, and equanimity. How does that change our view? How does it change our perspective on others' view? How does it change our demand that the world accord with our view? It is absolutely necessary to establish right view in order to unfold the map of the Eightfold Path and head in the direction of awakening. Right intention, which directs our energy and attention of our deep care and vow. Right speech, that is speech that is truthful, meaningless, care, wise, and connecting. Right action, action that supports life the relief of suffering and liberation for oneself and others. Right livelihood, our means of supporting ourselves through meaningful work. Right effort, where we put our energy, our time, our skills, and our resources for the benefit of all beings, free of greed, hostility, and ignorance. Right mindfulness, what we pay attention to and the quality of that attention right concentration, our wholeheartedness and fully integrated being beyond confusion and distraction. Your turn. And I suppose each one of these dimensions of the path is also infused with kindness, compassion, empathetic joy, and equanimity. This is the true path of the Bodhisattva. That is our path. Where do you come from? In every moment, you can ask yourself this question. In every conversation, in every Zoom session, it is a broad and open inquiry. Where am I coming from? And it is also mutual. We can hold at the same time, that inquiry of others, where are they coming from? Maybe we are not sure. We need to find out, mostly by listening. The ancient Zen masters practice this in their penetrating gaze. And this question that seems so innocent and trivial, where do you come from? I come from the kitchen. 
I come from Wisconsin. I come from parents locked in struggle. I mean, that's a lot of your art history teaching, isn't it? Mm -hmm. where, did, where did this painter come from? How did yeah. they get to be doing that kind of work? I mm -hmm. think it's fascinating that, um, oh, what's his name? It was someone Jackson Pollock studied with. Um, I don't think Grant Wood, but it was someone like Grant Wood. Someone totally different from Jackson Pollock. Anyway, it's it's fun when there's um, people come from something so different from where they are now. Mm -hmm. I come from the kitchen. I come from Wisconsin. I come from parents locked in struggle. I come from the country. I come from Austin. I come from university. I come to this aging body. I come from Charles Cooper, Ed Hutchins, Mary Barr, Joko Beck, Flint Sparks. I come from Buddhism and our Zen ancestors. I come from not knowing. I come from all of you, our Sangha. I come from this time, the time of the pandemic, the time of upheaval and renewal, the time of spring, the time of longer days and violet evenings and summer nights spangled with stars ahead. Of course, I miss seeing all of you in the Zendo and the easy connection and physical experience of hugs, share laughter, a hand on the shoulder. But I feel you coming together, even across great distances, even through a screen, and even without your physical presence, I can feel you care for each other, for this practice, and for the wise and compassionate teachings of the Buddha. Our technologies have been a blessing and a curse, but in this, I am grateful for the way we are allowed to be together when we are distant from each other. Let's keep, up, let's keep practicing the bra, Brahma Viharas. Brahma Viharas. Viharas. <laughs> and seeing how our path unfolds, each in our each in our place, yet warmly connected and on this strange planet together. Let's reread the the koan, okay? Mm-hmm. Dezan asked Jioshan, where do you come from? Jioshan said, from the south. Dijan said, how is Buddhism in the south these days? Jioshan said, there's extensive discussion. Dijan said, how can that compare to me here, planting the fields and making rice to eat? Jiyo-san said, what can you do about the world? 
Dijon said, what do you call, what, what can you do? Dijon said, what do you call the world? So he's trying from the beginning to wake this guy up. But he never quite does, does he? Like even with the first question, where do you come from? I was at my, um, at Linda's um, house and some distant relatives came and there was a little girl there. And I said, who were you before you were born? And she said, oh, I was my aunt, Sarah. I'm exactly like her. And my parents tell me, I do. you know, she had this whole story made up. <laughs> but are they ever um, really dueling or is, is, are they on different wavelengths? I don't know. What about we read the coin and you are the first one and I'm the second one to see how it hears okay. the conversation. So let's not do the narration. I'll, uh -huh. just, yeah. I'll be done and then we could flip. Where do you come from? From the South. How is Buddhism in the South these days? There's extensive discussion. How can that compare to me here, planting the fields and making rice to eat? What can you do about the world? What do you call the world? Okay, now I'll be a uh, Geoshan. Where do you come from? From the South. How is Buddhism in the South these days? There's extensive discussion. How can that compare to me here, planting the fields and making rice to eat? What can you do about the world? What do you call the world? So, superficially at least, I would say Gioshan is, is uh, kind of caught up in this pedestrian view of things, but that's too simple of a solution, of an answer. So it's probably not. Maybe he's pretending to be there. Why, why do you think he asks, what can you do about the world? Well, there's a, there's a saying, not, um, not spending a lot of time with things that you can't change. So you could waste a lot of energy. You know, it's kind of complaining, fruitless complaining <laughs> doesn't, that doesn't do any good. Mm. So that's how I, I take the, what can you do about the world? That you can't really change the world. It's as it is. But Deazon to me has the upper hand. I wonder, I'm gonna look up again, this guy, Geoshot. There's a town with this name. I think next week we should read the Joan Halifax one, but I think we made a little progress, do you? The commentary, you mean? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I'm going to stop uh, the recording.